Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome in to Late Kick on the Air. It is Thursday night, February 18th, the year of our Lord, 2021. Huge winter storm moves through Nashville, which forces us for Late Kick into the remote and seldom seen downtown Nashville studio, or as we like to call it in the biz, my apartment. We have the Oregon Mood Tracker on the show tonight, which is appropriate because we have nice, authentic Oregon timber here as the backdrop behind us. If you're listening on the podcast, pay no attention to anything I'm saying right now. Nevertheless, we are jam-packed. I mean, I got a lot to get to because we had stuff breaking just in the last 24 hours. The NCAA dead period extension that we were talking about on Sunday night, well, that has happened. That has since passed. I got so much feedback from you guys, and I'm talking about college professors, players, parents, coaches. I couldn't believe the amount of feedback we got on that segment the other night. So, I want to dive a little bit deeper. Now that we know it's official, I'm going to give you some thoughts on that. I'm looking down because I have like three screens in front of me right now. So the dead period we're going to discuss, the organ mood tracker we're going to discuss. I've also got to get to something that's sort of been on my mind about Gus Malzahn. I'd, I thought I'd have to wait a year or two to do this segment, but it turns out since he's taken the Central Florida job, and congratulations to Gus Malzahn, by the way. Since that's happened, we get to do a segment tonight that I thought we'd be doing it like 2022 or 2023. Got all that? Plus a question. I just want to put it out there now. We'll talk about it again in a few minutes. What night of the week do you think the national title game should be played? Right now, and for a little while, it's been on a Monday. Read some articles, and I've talked to some of you over the past month. It has led me to present this on the show tonight. I always knew we were going to do it. National championship changes. A lot of people want to change the playoff. I'm not worried about changing the playoff tonight, but I do want to talk about some national championship changes. All that and the drive to 13K continues. So it occurred to me the other night when I presented a germ of an idea to you once we get uh, the Late Kick Josh Twitter account to 13,000 at Late Kick Josh, trying to get to 13,000 there. And the reason that we're trying to get to 13,000 is because it's a nice even number when we get there. And we're on pace to do it like later this week. So when we get there, the moment we get there, the plan will be put in motion. But then I didn't tell you what the plan was the other night. Those of you who listen to the podcast on Tuesday morning, you already know the plan. Here's what I'm doing. We are going to debut an entirely new concept. This will not be a weekly show. We'll set benchmarks. Every time we reach the benchmark, we'll do one of these shows. But here's what's happening. I want to be as interactive as possible. I want to try out a new product. You know, like I'm using Zoom right now to use that interface to come to you because we can't be in the Nashville studio, in the Brentwood studio. Well, I want to use this, but bring about five or 10 of you in here with me. 
and record basically a mailbag version of a podcast, but do it in video form and have really loose interaction. We'll go wherever you want to go. We'll talk about whatever you want to talk about within reason, of course. And then we'll upload it on the YouTube channel. And if it goes 30 minutes, that's great. If it goes two and a half hours, that's great. But the best content we do, in my opinion, are those mailbag podcast episodes every week that are podcast only, the Late Kick podcast available wherever you get your pods. And it's really fun. It's really interactive. But it all it, it often takes us down a road I, I never would have thought of. So you guys are a lot better at doing that than me. And I figure, hey, why not add a new product for every benchmark we hit? We had the thousand five-star reviews. We flew past that. So let's grow that Twitter account. And as we do it, we're going to have rewards along the way. The merch option, the merchandising option, still in the oven. It uh, looks like it's got about uh, 13, 14 minutes left cook. So we're going to pull that out. I'm going to let you know as soon as I can. But in the meanwhile, let's dive in tonight. Gus Malzahn, secret genius? Possibly. Now, a lot of you have labeled him otherwise, but I want you to remember what you thought and said about Gus Malzahn in maybe the last couple of years, maybe the last decade, because Gus Malzahn, I think, is a role model. Gus Malzahn, as of today, probably should have courses taught about him, not necessarily by him, but about him at every major university in America. I want you to think about something. Because a lot of you have had coaching idols out there and they have let you down and they've led you astray and they've they've ended up fired, but then they've ended up fading into the abyss. Not Gustav Malzahn. What a turn of events, by the way. So he takes the Central Florida job. He's the new head coach of Central Florida. Again, congratulations. But the best part here is uh, Malzahn fooled large portions of the college football world in the process. And I want to rewind sort of and take you back down some roads in storytelling mode that I've told you before. And I want to use that as sort of the backdrop. I mean, I want you to think, I'll get to the story in a second, but I want you to think at every turn about what this guy's career has consisted of and what I would say the general narrative at any given time around him was. So he got hired as the head coach at Auburn in 2013. And he comes in, he talks like this a lot. You know, he puts his hand over his mouth. He's really secretive. He's got all kind of these demonstrative actions that he does and, and, and movements on the sideline. And, you know, a lot of people just thought he was strange, thought he was odd and eccentric. And they thought he was a Mickey Mouse offense kind of guy. Dude wins the SEC, goes to the national championship in his first year, gets 13 seconds from winning it. And then, you know, time goes on it, 2013 and beyond, the big talking point around him was, well, he's he's having to compete with Nick Saban and the rest of the country is trying to hire coaches that can compete with Saban. Some of them have worked under Saban. Others are just going to be the kryptonite to Nick Saban and they're getting hired and they're getting fired. And the entire, seems like the entire SEC and in ways the entire landscape of the sport has overturned with people trying to figure out how to beat Malzahn or uh, uh, Nick Saban. Malzahn does it three times, just like that. Boom, 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 not in a row, but he had more wins over Saban than any other coach has had over Saban. And how did he do it? No one really knows. Uh, fortuitous bounces here and there, but you got to be in position to benefit from the fortuitous bounces. But folks, those aren't even the best parts. If I'm writing the story, the chapter I'm about to take you back down, that's the best chapter. Do you remember 2017? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. So 2017, Auburn comes in. They're highly ranked. They were highly ranked every year. 
And then, as I've told you several times before, they go down to LSU. I was on the road with them for that game. I was on the field for that game. I was covering both teams, really. And it was it was crazy because they got a big lead, looked like it was going to be a blowout. Uh, I, as I told you, I made my way to the press box early, and I started to eat the halftime meal early. And then all of a sudden, LSU scores. They go in the locker room. They come back out. They score. They score. They end up winning the game. So Auburn blows a big lead, and I – I'm standing in the post-game press room for Auburn. Malzahn has not yet entered the room. Christy Malzahn, his wife, has. She is well within earshot, and various members of the Auburn beat are very vocal in their insistence that Gus Malzahn's job is done. It's not a matter of when anymore. It's just a matter of if. She can hear it. She didn't say a word. I have credited her before. I'll credit her again on this very program right now. Uh, Christy Malzahn did not say a word. And so as the story goes, you get a little bit later in the year, the team didn't quit. In fact, I think they played Arkansas like the next week and they got right back up off the mat. And so they start to build some confidence. They start to build a little momentum. And then all of a sudden, it's later in the year. Here comes number one Georgia in town. I was there for that game. Smoked them. A couple of weeks later, Alabama comes in town. I'm there for that game. I get to cover all these games. That's the beauty of working in Columbus, Georgia. You get to reasonably tell your news director, I got to be there. Get me credentials. I got to be there. Well, they smoked Alabama, too. And here is where it really gets interesting. Keep in mind, this guy was fired and out the door a month ago. Not only has he saved his job, but he has maximized his leverage and he knows it and his representation knows it. And they haven't forgot the tenor from a month earlier when no one had their back. And by they, I mean Malzahn and and his representation. No one had their back and everyone was trying to push him out the door. And he he comes back from dead. He's like the undertaker circa 1996. He, He rises from the dead, beats Georgia number one, beats Alabama number one, wins the SEC West. And it's time to go to Atlanta for the SEC championship game, right? Not yet. That week, Malzahn and his representation behind the scenes, backed Auburn into a corner. They say, we want a new deal. We want it agreed upon before Saturday or he's going. What was the backdrop? You remember this? Well, there was allegedly, never will know if it was reality or not, but there was allegedly a big time offer on the table from Arkansas to bring Gus Malzahn home. That was the leverage play number one. Leverage play number two was, you know, the recent results on the field, and we're going to the SEC title game, reward this man. Leverage play number three that is often forgotten was there was a mess unfolding at Tennessee. There was a coaching search that had gone totally haywire. And so you were able to look Auburn in the eye, and you were able to say, the guy just saved your season, resurrected the entire program in many ways in the process, There is a big time offer elsewhere. He'd love to go home. You know, whether you call my bluff or not, he'd love to go home. And number three, do you really want to go through a coaching search and risk looking like what Tennessee looks like right now? Auburn folded like an accordion. They had no other option. They give him seven years, $49 million. That was the headline. But there was a fine print section in that contract that not many people talked about. There was this word. It started with an M. No one was really talking about it. The word that started with an M that everyone was focused on with Malzahn, there's one M word, was money. And he got a lot of it. But there was another word, kids, and it was mitigation. And to be direct, there was no mitigation clause in Gus Malzahn's Auburn contract. What does that mean? It means if he's out the door and he's fired, they owe him every bit of his buyout even if he takes another job. Now, with that in mind, Gus Malzahn's the new head coach at UCF. And Gus Malzahn signs, what do we have here? We have a five-year, $2.3 million per year deal. That's nice. That's good money. You and I could probably survive on that, right? 
but he also gets 21.5 million guaranteed from Auburn in the process. And so for all of you out there, I'm standing over here, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not associating with that crowd, but for all of you who uh, criticized Malzahn in the past, made fun of him, called him this, called him that. I just want to ask, where are you going tomorrow? What do you got to be up at 7 a.m. to go do? Because Malzahn, man, he could, um, man, he could buy us all 10 times over and he gets to wake up in sunny Florida. I am in the middle of an ice storm right now. He's going to be in sunny Florida, probably sunburned already. He gets to play and coach rather and um, be in the mix at a program now that relative to his competition is at or above every important level, recruiting, budget, scheduling, uh, geographically. He's got all the edges now that he never had at Auburn, and he's got a massive bank account to thank for all the moves that he made. And this is one of the reasons why Gus Malzahn, I really think, is a secret legend now in college football, especially when you're talking about the economics of college football. It begins and ends with Gus Malzahn. Now, from an athletic director and department standpoint, hopefully we're seeing the final chapters on these mitigation disasters because, I mean, Will Muschamp walks away from Carolina. They owe him every bit of his money, even if he takes a job at Georgia. Malzahn walks away, well, not walking away, they get fired, but then they're taking these other jobs and you're realizing, wait, we got fleeced. Number one, we extended these coaches and gave them uh, probably above market value. That's debatable. But number two, no mitigation clauses in the contracts. How did that happen? Happens cause it is checkers versus chess. It is folks in these athletic departments dealing with world-class agents and it's no contest in many ways. So Gus Malzahn, he's a winner. He's a winner in the words of Herman Boone. He's a hall of famer in my book. Let's go to Oregon. Let's uh, let's bounce around a little bit. So been having a lot of fun with the mood tracker. The Oregon Mood Tracker, fascinating here. I had a pretty good read on where I wanted to go with Oregon. I didn't really need to crowdsource this one a whole lot. The Oregon Fan Base Mood Tracker, um, I can't be too animated right now because I'm kind of closed in here. So the way that I chose to sum it up is I put Oregon in arm swing mode. And if you're watching, you know, right here, I'm trying to do a bowler's posture. You know, if you've ever gone bowling, there was a place down in Columbus when I was growing up. It was called Peach Bowl Lanes. I think it's still there, but it's a different name. Um, I by no means am a professional bowler, so I don't know the terminology, but there's this moment and you can phrase it however you want to. If there's a professional term, you let me know. But there's this moment after you've released the ball and you've got a good release. OK, it, it's on point. It's headed where you want it to head. But, you know, that awkward two or three seconds between the time that ball leaves hand and ball strikes pin and you don't know what to do. And, you know, everyone behind you is watching and you just kind of stand there. That is exactly where Oregon fans are right now. They got a good release. It's not headed towards the gutter. Bumpers aren't out, by the way. It's not headed towards the gutter. It's headed right where they want it to. And now you got to find out, is it going to be one of those pin explodes all over the place? You get a strike or is it going to be a nasty 7-10 split, even though you think you did everything right? College football in this sport winning leaves a bunch of clues. We can look at programs that are winning consistently, and it's not hard to figure out why they're winning consistently. A few things I wrote down. They hire well, very obviously. Uh, number two, they uh, fully invest. And then number three is they just keep fully investing. You can't do it once and then rest on your laurels. You got to keep investing. You got the facilities, obviously. They recruit elite classes, not just one. They stack them on top of each other. Those are a few points, but there's another point. I want to get to that one in just a second, but think about where an Oregon fan is right now. If you're looking at your program, which of those boxes don't you check? I, I would answer none of them. 
Every one of those boxes is checked. Oregon has hired well. They've obviously got the investment. They've obviously got the facilities. They've got a really, really good national brand about themselves, which those more successful programs have done. I mean, Clemson has taken their brand from very regional, very regional to a national brand. They recruit coast to coast. Now, Clemson wouldn't get quarterbacks out of California 10 years ago, and now they are. Oregon's got a national brand. By default, they have to recruit nationally, but they're doing it. Speaking of recruiting, they're stacking the classes on top of each other. There's no question about that. They're, they're really good right now. They're checking all the boxes. They are the swinging arm. They have released the bowling ball. It's headed in the right direction. Now they just have to stand there and they're waiting. It's this kind of awkward. It's an, it's an exciting period, but it's an awkward period of, well, um, what's going to happen? Okay. Then there's this other box. And this is the final clue that these winning programs leave. And that is getting quarterback right. And that's where it gets really fun from this point moving forward for Oregon because they haven't had it. They haven't even had it. I would argue they didn't even have it with Justin Herbert because what he did in college pales in comparison to what he's doing in the pros. A lot of his mock draft status was based on projection and measurables rather than actual college productivity. Well, now we fast forward a few years and we've got Mario Cristobal, got Joe Moorhead in place there. But now I think the difference is on campus and his name's Ty Thompson. He hasn't taken a snap at Oregon yet, but you don't need to be shy about this. I was talking to an Oregon buddy who I've never met in person, but I text with him all the time. And he was, I I made this point to him. I said, you got the guy that's going to give you the best shot you've had there to win a national championship um, since Chip Kelly was there. And uh, I count the Helfrich era. Since Chip Kelly was there, this dude's going to give you the best chance you've ever had to win a national title. And he said, oh, don't say that. Why? There's no reason to be shy or bashful about this. There's no reason to be superstitious. You think Clemson was bashful when they got Trevor Lawrence on campus? You see Alabama fans walking around timidly when they talk about Bryce Young? No. JT Daniels at Georgia? Georgia hadn't even won a title yet. They don't even know what one feels like. They think they're equipped and ready. You don't need to be bashful or shy about this. Ty Thompson's a stud as highly as we had him rated. I've talked to people who think he's still underrated. I think some of them are probably at Oregon. And so I'm very excited about him. I'd be over the moon excited if I were an Oregon fan. And so now the final box that's not been checked, at least to uh, the degree that maybe it's been checked at other programs. Now you could argue even that one's been checked. And so here we are. We're watching that ball. Whether we're going the straight route or we're putting some curve on it, it's headed where we want it to head. Now, what what kind of pin action are we going to get? When it finally hits those pins, are they going to explode? I think Ty Thompson gives them a chance to. I was listening to the College Football Daily. Trey Scott had on uh, Eric Scalpel from uh, Duck Territory, and they were talking about how quickly the entire quarterback scene changed at Oregon over the past week or two. Um, If you missed that, you know, so so Tyler Shuck, who was starting quarterback last year, he left and he, he wasn't out of eligibility. He just left. And I think a lot of the assumptions that are being made around Oregon are valid. Uh, you never know until the player himself comes out and confirms it or denies it. But I think he read the writing on the wall. There's no shame in that. But I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of reason to be excited. If you're an Oregon fan and you look at Ty Thompson, if that is indeed the case, if that was the case where your, your incumbent guy looked at an incoming true freshman, by the way, who he's very familiar with, they're from the same area, and he says, mm, deuces, I got to get out of here. I got to go somewhere I can play. That guy, that guy is someone that they around Oregon are comparing to when Darren Thomas was there, but then Marcus Mariota came in. Darren Thomas said, oh boy, 
like Amy Poehler and Parks and Rec. Oh boy. Hey, I think that's valid. And I, I hope it is for Oregon's sake. So I'm, I'm extremely excited to watch this selfishly. I'll just tell you selfishly in wanting what's best for Oregon in the future. I like many other outsiders are pulling for him to win that job. Ty Thompson. And the reason is because I just look at him and I think in terms of upside down the road, 2022, 23, 24, he's probably not there that long if he's the right guy, but man, I hope he's the right guy. And if he is, I hope we see him very soon. I think that coaching staff probably feels the same way, but here's the other good news. It's not Ty Thompson or a bust. There are, to me, there are at least two other quality candidates on campus there. You could argue about that, but I, I'm telling you, man, they check so many boxes that some places they have false hope. I think it's legitimate, like premium optimism at Oregon right now. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have to switch gears a little bit here. And I, um, so I want you to think along with me. When should the national championship game be played? What night of the week? A lot of people have wasted a lot of time to me recently talking about the structure of college football's future and how many teams we should have in the playoff and this and that and auto bids and G5 and P5. Forget all that stuff, man. You can debate that in July just as soon as you can debate it now. And they will. We will probably. I get tired of it, but we will. But I just wanted to throw a little bit different spin on this. We play the national championship game right now on a Monday night. And I, I just want to know what you think about that. Because to my knowledge, I've never heard anybody that is crazy about the way we end the college football season. Having a championship game, notwithstanding. I'm talking about when we play it. And it's always seemed kind of weird to me. And you know, I wasn't going to talk about it tonight, but I was reading over on The Athletic. I think it was Nicole Auerbach who had put up, it was probably a mailbag, but someone asked about this. And um, I saw the way she answered it. I thought there was a lot of validity to the way she answered it, but I, I wanted to extend a little bit further off of it. So the question I think that was presented was, why doesn't the college football playoff feel like the kind of spectacle that the NFL makes the Super Bowl? It's a really good question. And you can go a lot of different ways with that. Think along with me. I mean, like if you're listening or are you driving around right now or you're watching on your phone or whatever, like think about that. Have you ever asked yourself that too? Why does the, the Super Bowl in the NFL, it gets two week buildup. It's this huge, it's like a national holiday and it's celebrated and treated as such. And the college football playoff 
is all of a sudden you got a great regular season and then you got, it almost feels like the semifinal since there's more buildup to it. There's more spectacle and pageantry around that. Even in the title game, you just kind of roll around on a Monday night, a couple of weeks into January, and then that's it. And then Tuesday morning, you go back to work. If you don't like that, I think I'm right there with you. And so this is maybe the part of the structure of the sport right now that I would be willing to change. But so, so they asked Nicole Arbach and she said, well, part of the reason that there's a bigger spectacle around the Super Bowl, aside from just the fact that the NFL is its own monster, they're in their own galaxy, is there's a fantasy and gambling aspect to this. Um, there's a more regionality to the sport of college football than there is to the NFL. Also the timing, which is what I wanted to circle back around to. You got a Sunday tent pole versus a Monday night event. And there's, there's other stuff going on. There just, there just is. I mean, the, uh, the entertainment world does not revolve around a Monday night in January, quite the way it does the Super Bowl on a Sunday night. So here's my stance. You guys know this because I've shared this with you many times. I don't waste any time comparing college football to the NFL. And I do not measure the health or success of college football based on an NFL scale. I don't care. They exist totally different for me. I'll watch the Saturday product. I love the Saturday product. I will watch the Sunday product. I mean, I wouldn't say I love it nearly as much, but I don't, I don't dunk on the NFL to prop up college football or vice versa. I don't care. I, I probably compare college football to the NFL as much as I compare college football to cricket. I just don't care. They're two different entities for me. They're totally different products and I'll leave that there. But I also think that college football, you know, like they reward success. Whereas in the NFL, everything's built to push things to the middle. Each model is fine. If you prefer one over the other, that's fine. It's, it's fine if you love both of them for their own uniqueness. That's fine. You've also got, yes, a, a much more regional aspect, a more regional feel to college football. You know, it matters a lot more maybe in the South than it does the Pacific Northwest. You can't tell that to a diehard Huskies fan or Ducks fan or Cougars fan. But by and large, the average citizen of Montgomery, Alabama, probably cares a little bit more about college football than the average citizen of Olympia, Washington. I think we can accept that. Even you guys up in Washington can probably accept it. Yeah, that's true. Having said that, there's nothing wrong with either way. There's just, it, it, they can both exist. You don't have to merge one with the other, or you don't have to try and, try and adjust one to make it look like the other. However, here's what's always been most important to me. And here's why I think the NFL's Super Bowl carries a lot more spectacle aspect of it than the college football playoff national championship does. The nucleus of the NFL is not its regular season. It's the postseason and it is the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is the NFL's tentpole event. It is the entire marketing machine is built around that moment. And that's cool. I watched the Super Bowl just like you guys did a couple of weeks ago. Having said that, the nucleus of college football is its regular season. And only fairly recently did we put an actual, what I term legitimate, national championship game onto the end of college football. You know, if you're 25 years old, you've lived your whole life with a national title game. I get that. But if, if you're 55 years old and you haven't, if you're 65, 75, I mean, you remember where polls were, were determining three different national champions. So it's, it's a fairly new concept to even have a national title game, but always should remain the fact that the nucleus is the regular season. And then we get a postseason added on to it, and that's wonderful. But there, I mean, there's a lot of imbalance in college football. Like in the NFL, the NFL was, was created so professional football could be played. Colleges were created for educational purposes, and then uh, to varying degrees afterwards, football programs were just tacked on to them. Some of them are 150 years old. Some of them are 20 years old. It's, there's all kinds of 
idiosyncrasy and nuance in college football that doesn't exist in the NFL. So it, it makes sense why the postseason could be a little tougher to arrange, shall we say. But I will say this, that timing issue, it's totally valid. Like, I don't get why we go the direction we go here. Well, I do. I do because of TV inventory. And I understand that when college football is playing its national championship game, it normally coincides with an NFL playoff weekend, which takes up Saturday and Sunday. And so you wouldn't want to shift it to a Saturday, but do it anyway. Either do it anyway or or adjust your postseason schedule to where you have your national championship game in that off week, uh, you know, before the Super Bowl or bump it up or have arrangements to where, you know, you have a primetime slot on a Saturday for the national championship game and NFL postseason games are played earlier in the day. However you make that work. I mean, if you have to go head to head with the NFL, it would seem a lot more authentic for a college football experience to play your championship game on the same day on a seven day calendar as you do 95% of your regular season games. And yet for some reason we play it on a Monday night and it doesn't affect me. I'm fortunate enough to be in a world right now where they, they pay me to go to these events in a normal year. And so, you know, Tuesday morning comes around, I'm waking up in a hotel room somewhere, but you guys, and I've lived this life for a long time too. I, I worked the nine to six. And so you go home and then there's an hour before kickoff of a championship game. You've been at work all day. And then when the game ends, you know, you got to be at work again about eight hours from that point. I mean, what, what kind of fun can you really have there? Like what kind of event, how, how big a party can you really have? Like people have with the Super Bowl and they just call out of work Monday, which is natural. Sometimes it's a holiday. So I'm with you. You know what? I mean, like, I, I think this poll will probably be heavily tilted towards Saturday option over Monday option. I, I don't ever think we've gotten a straight answer as to why it has to be that way. I just think it kind of is that way. And so after everyone wants to talk about playoffs, four teams, eight teams, 16 teams, let's start with just making it feel a lot more like a college football experience. How about that? I wanted to save this for last because I wanted to sort of be as mellowed out as possible by the time I got to this point, but I'm not. I'm a little upset by this. Okay, so, so let, me, let me calm myself. Let me gather myself. So the dead period has indeed been extended. We talked about this on the Sunday night show. I was stunned by the volume of feedback that I got. I'm going to share some of it with you. I'm not going to give names, but I'm going to share some of it with you. But I talked about how embarrassing I thought it was, uh, the way that the dead period has been handled. The dead period essentially meaning uh, prospective athletes, recruits, in other words, they haven't been able to go visit places. Um, high school coaches have not been able to get out on the road and see them. A lot of these kids have missed camp opportunities, in-person evaluations because of that. It just heavily impacted the 2021 class. We had Nick Saban on the show a couple of weeks ago. He shared with us, it'll affect the 2022 class even more. And so now we get it official uh, from the mouth of the oversight committee to the rubber stamp of the NCAA. We are extending the dead period until the end of May. So the next possible date that things could open up is going to be June 1st. Here we said it is, it is mid-February. March is out the window. April is out the window. May is out the window. Three months further, we just kicked the can down the road. On the Sunday night show, I told you what all that means that kids are going to miss. But now I just want to quickly reiterate the reasons that are being given why this is necessary are not necessities. So it's not necessary. The reasons being given are very lazy. Uh, they are very straw manish. Uh, it's not true reasons. It's just talking point reasons. Uh, they've probably been focus grouped before they were ever handed out. But it's kicking a can down the road. 
Uh, it is further robbing a lot of kids who are going to very much need that opportunity and need those few months. It's robbing them of that. And you've got a lot of, and here's the reality factor. You got a lot of presidents out there and that's who's to blame here. If you want to blame someone, it's not the NCAA. They just, they made the call they were told to make. In this case, I think you got to, you got to direct your attention elsewhere. There are a lot of university presidents out there that are comfortable with status quo right now. It means they're not having to spend money. They already fell short uh, in terms of a fiscal or physical year this past year, and they are comfortable with not having to spend money on visits and not having to spend money on sending their coaches out on the road. And for every Alabama, uh, there are 20 programs fractional to Alabama who also fit under the NCAA purview, the D1 oversight committee purview. And hey man, they're happy to not be outspent by the big spenders right now. The problem therein lies, folks. You didn't hear me say a word right there about what's truly best for players. And you didn't hear me say a word about safety because that's not at the forefront of this decision. It hasn't been for a long time now. It was needed. We needed to have a dead period at the outset of this thing. No one knew what was going on. Do you understand? We just played an entire college football season. We just played a season where in virtually every state we're talking about here, Teams went back and forth. In many cases, we allowed fans in the stadium. And now we're telling high school kids, no, it's not safe for you to come out of your house and with your mom and dad, go to a campus where they can have protocol in place and you can walk around and tour a campus. It's not safe. It's not safe for a a college coach that just went through an entire season to come to your school. You know, he may go to Publix today. Uh, he, He may go to the post office. He can't come to your school, though where kids already are around other people. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So let's dive into this because I wanted to give you some feedback that I've gotten. As usual, a lot of people are kind of scared to voice their opinion. Some of them could have jobs to lose. Some of them are in a position where they, they're not allowed to speak out on this sort of thing. The feedback has been overwhelming. I thank you. I encourage you. Keep giving me the feedback. JoshPate706 at gmail.com on Twitter at LateKickJosh. I appreciate it. And so and the audience appreciates it because of what I'm about to do. So let me give you some of the feedback I've gotten. So I wrote a lot of it down. I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this. Countless coaches have reached out to me and members of maybe the off-field staffs, personnel departments, recruiting departments. Uh, these folks in a lot of cases are livid. The, the, I would call it the unanimous sentiment, actually. I can't think of one person who disagreed. The unanimous sentiment. It's several people. It's not one or two folks. Several people in the coaching world and the player personnel world laugh at the idea that they could not conduct visits both on campus and off campus at high school safely. I mean, they, they, it's laughable on the surface. I don't have to dive any deeper. I mean, to suggest after having an entire football season that we couldn't conduct recruiting visits or go to high schools is laughable. So, so they are irate and they see, by the way, a lot of these player personnel and coaching types, they understand there are some in their midst who aren't speaking up because they enjoy a little bit of downtime right now. You know, if you can't be out on the road recruiting, then, you know, maybe you get to sit at your desk a little more often. Maybe you get to go home a little earlier in the afternoon. They also know that there are some presidents at smaller schools relative to the big boys who are happy with status quo right now and who affected and impacted this decision. And what they want to say is, how about we open it up and give choice? And if you still want to sit at home, that's fine. We're going to, we're going to lap you. Uh, but you can sit at home. That's fine. Just give us the opportunity to go do what we're paid millions of dollars to do. I'll tell you who else I heard from. Probably more than any group was players and parents of players. 
unanimously again. I think I had one person who said to me, you know, even after, after they opened this up, I'll probably be hesitant. That was one person. God bless you. You do whatever you want to do. I'm fine with you having that choice. But then I had dozens and dozens and easily dozens and dozens of other kids and parents who said, this is ludicrous. And see, they're the most emotional because they're the ones who don't get another opportunity. Like at 24-7 Sports, after the class of 2022, you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn the page and there'll be a class of 2023 and then 24 and then 25. That cycle just keeps going. Okay. And we get to do it every year. If you're an actual junior right now, about to be a senior, you only get one shot at that. And if you're going to be a five-star kid, the number six overall player in the country, this is not going to impact you. But if you're like the number 784 player in the country, and you would have been a guy who previously, if they got their eyeballs on you, Kent State or UTSA would have given a committable offer to, and you can't get an in-person evaluation, and you can't get on campus, and once we finally open up this dead period and we allow visits to take place, if you don't have the means to do it in the summer and you don't get to take your official visits like you wanted to because by the time it's it's the time has come around to do that, your actual high school football season is cranking up, there are a million different things that could get in the way. What, what do you do? What do you tell that kid? They know this, okay? Those parents and players, they already get it. And that's what needs to be at the forefront because what they keep saying is people keep telling us what's in our best interest. No one asks us. Like no, no one comes to us and, and says, hey, would you just, would you like the option? Because that's what they want. They just want the option to kind of control as much as they can their own future. I've gotten feedback from college professors. I had one the other day that has been back and forth with me several times throughout this entire ordeal. This is a guy that I had some disagreements with early at the outset of COVID um, where there was, I wasn't making many definitive statements back then because I didn't want to sound like an idiot. I mean, I still don't make many definitive statements on in something that I'm not an expert on. I, I don't even claim to be a college football expert. So I'm certainly not a, an epidemiologist by any stretch of the imagination, but he and I were going back and forth because um, he was of the opinion that we needed to really, really clamp things down and do, he didn't even want us to have a college football season. Okay. So, so, I mean, we had cordial uh, talk or disagreed on it, but it was what it was. I get an email from him the other day and uh, the title of it was, I'm willing to admit when I was wrong. But so this guy now is very emphatic, uh, just kind of paraphrasing, talking about how this has to change because it's very clear to anyone who is the least bit observant, you're taking a generation of kids, you're taking a classification of kids. And again, the, the top the top dogs in any class, they're going where they want to regardless, but that's a fraction of the overall pie chart. And you're taking a lot of kids whose plan A is playing football, getting out of maybe a bad home situation, getting out of a, a poor upbringing, very limited options academically, but maybe football is that that kind of beacon there that you know is there. And if you maximize your potential there, you could go get a life-changing college degree, even if you don't play past the college level. And you could change your future, your family's future, your kid's future. And you're talking about, in some cases, those kinds of opportunities being plucked for no other reason than really politics in the world of college football. It's a different flavor of politics, but it's still politics. And, and it's enraged a lot of people. I'm just telling you, it's been a lot of people very much out of shape. And they, they're not the kind that are going to you know go march on NCAA headquarters tomorrow. It's not going to be trending on Twitter tomorrow. But there is this undercurrent of a lot of people very frustrated with the way this has been handled. And so I haven't heard their voices. 
given enough of a megaphone nationally. So whatever small part we can play here, I have tried to play that part. And listen, hopefully now, I think January 1st is our next shot. Hopefully things get opened up there and hopefully, you know, opportunities that may be missed end up not being missed. I don't know how this is all going to play out. I just wanted to give the voice to a lot of folks who don't have one speaking for them right now at a national level who are very frustrated. So I can tell you, I hear you. You're not alone. A lot of other people hear you. And um, there are a lot of us that are every bit as aggravated and fed up as you are. So I wanted to wrap up on that. I thank you again for watching the show and following the show, even in the off season. O word, nasty word. Make sure you are subscribed to the 24 seven sports YouTube channel and the late kick podcast. And remember the second we pass 13 K on Twitter at late kick, Josh want to get 13,000 followers there. And when we do, we got a big new feature coming really excited about it. And I, I wish you guys would go ahead and make this happen because I'm already ready. I got the format ready and everything. And then I, I've already got plans for what we're going to do as our next benchmark event. So I know that a lot of people are using that O word. We don't believe in it around here. Spring practice is about to start, by the way. So we've already bridged ourselves almost to spring practice. And then once we get out of spring practice, we'll have another little bridge over May and June. And then we get to media days. And after that, we got a little countdown of a couple of weeks until fall practice opens. So I just got you basically all the way to the football season in like two breaths. It'll come. Don't worry. It'll come. Until then, for Director Emeritus Colin and our entire team in Connecticut having to chop this up, even as I do it from a very, very remote location inside my own apartment. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Josh Pate. This has been The Late Kick. Have a great rest of your evening and God bless. Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.